Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived yet another week. It is Friday, February 25th, 2022. 2022, do we have flying cars? It's the future. Anyways, um, yeah, it's Friday, February 25th, 2022. And these, this is what you came in here for. It's the top true crime stories in the entire world. Uh, let's, let's get started, man. This is a full show. I've, I've jam-packed it with nuggets of inspiration, shock and fear, terror, and a little hope. Uh, I gotta tell you about this guy, Andy Parker. Andy Parker is running for Congress in Virginia. And if he wins, he could change true crime coverage forever. This is according to an article published in The Guardian. Here's what you need to know. It's very interesting. This is uh, Shakespearean, I, I, I would say. So Andy's daughter, this is Andy Parker for Congress in Virginia. Andy's daughter was Allison Parker. You might remember her name. This is a TV journalist with WDBJ-TV out of Roanoke, Virginia. On August 26, 2015, Allison was reporting live on TV when a former co-worker, Vester Lee Flanagan, shot and killed her on air, along with her cameraman, Adam Ward. The subject of the interview was a woman named Vicki Gardner, who survived the incident uh, after surgery. She was in the hospital for a couple weeks. Vester Lee Flanagan shot and killed himself during a high-speed pursuit. He did all this live on, I don't know if it was FaceTime, or some social media, but he was filming this as it happened, and people were watching this streaming. The video went viral. Of course it did. Um, 
very popular with true crime enthusiasts. These people that get on message boards and, and talk about these crimes and we're sharing it on on different blogs. Andy Parker, her father, turned his grief into action. At first, he was lobbying for gun control. He was trying to get this video of his daughter's murder purged from the internet. Not a small task. He's done actually a pretty good job. Of course, you know, I had kind of forgotten about this case. And when I heard about Andy running for Congress, I, of course, tried to find it on the internet. I did. Uh, I can't I can't find it, I, and, but I didn't dig too deeply. I didn't go into, like, the dark web or anything like that. So he and his volunteers, and he's got a lot of volunteers that whenever they see this video pop up on Facebook or on social media, they tag it. They get it taken down as soon as possible. It really shouldn't be out there. Anyways, he, he can't get it completely removed from the Internet. So he, he's tried lobbying Congress members, and, and nobody's really helping him. And Facebook is dragging their feet. The, the other social media companies are doing the same. So he's like, fuck it. I'm running for Congress. If, if I can't change it as a, uh, as a normal citizen, I'm going to rewrite the law. Andy Parker is, a, is running as a Democrat. He's running against Bob Wood. Now, if you're not from Virginia, uh, Bob Wood is he's, uh, he's one of those neocon nut jobs who believes the 2020 election was rigged. He's uh, super conservative. And so I, you know, I, honestly, I think Andy Parker's got a good shot. It, now, this is a kind of a touchy subject because essentially you've got a Democrat here arguing for rewriting the laws on the First Amendment, on the freedom of speech. You know, there's one group that would say, you, how dare you try to censor anything on the Internet? And originally I was that way. I was a reporter here in, in Cleveland um, since 2003. I worked, you know, for the all-weeklies here. We're all about, you know, everything being open, not censoring the First Amendment at all, not censoring what we can say. But I think we've reached that point where social media is so toxic and it's so easy for you to take a video like that, somebody's final moments, a, a shocking murder, and just put it out there on the internet. Hardly anything stopping you. And I think it should be regulated. I do. Uh, it's okay if you disagree with me. Um, but that's what he's trying to do, and you, you can't blame him. You know, uh, you know, good for this guy. It's, a, it's an amazing story. I hope he wins. Andy Parker for Congress in Virginia. Another interesting story I found. Police believe this is one of those stories that is interesting on its surface, but the more you look into it, the more fascinating it becomes. Okay, so here's the, here's the deal. Police believe they've, this week, apprehended a serial killer who terrorized Albuquerque in the late 80s. The report from People magazine. The murders began in June 1988 when 21-year-old Althea Oakley was stabbed to death on her way home from a campus party. Then, in September that year, 13-year-old Stella Gonzalez was shot and killed while walking near Tingley Beach. Finally, 
July 16, 1989, 18-year-old Caitlin Arquette was killed in what appeared to be a drive-by shooting. She was actually driving her car, shot through the window, lost control of the car, died. Very odd. And at first, this doesn't seem like a typical serial killer, right? Like, very three unrelated, seemingly unrelated cases. Well, their big break came last July when police there arrested a homeless man named Paul Apodaca. If I'm getting that right, A-P-O-D-A-C-A, Apodaca. They arrested this homeless man on a probation, probation violation. While in custody, Paul confessed to all three of these murders, explaining that he had a deep hatred for women as a young man. Uh, he does have a previous record of a 1995 rape. Uh, it's a 14-year-old family member. So he was finally indicted for Caitlin Arquette's death just this Monday. Here's where it gets a little uh, interesting. It's already interesting, but here's where it gets a little deeper. Caitlin Arquette, the last woman to be murdered, was the daughter of Lois Duncan. That's a mystery author, pretty well-known mystery author, who wrote the book I Know What You Did Last Summer. And you would think maybe she wrote the book inspired by her daughter's senseless crime. There are some parallels there. But she wrote that book in 1973, like a while before her daughter's murder. In fact, she stopped writing books like that after her daughter's murder. Unfortunately, Lois died in 2016 when the case was still unsolved. Unsolved Mysteries, the website now, featured the case. and Well, the TV show featured the case, but now it's up on the website. Um, they still have it up there with Lois's original theories on the case. Now, Lois who knew a lot about mysteries, she believed that a Vietnamese crime syndicate had ordered a hit on her daughter. Now, as crazy as that sounds, in some ways it makes more sense than this random homeless man they arrested. There's actually some circumstantial evidence that backs up this theory. Right before her murder, Caitlin had gotten herself involved in a car insurance scam with members of the Vietnamese community out there. Her boyfriend was, was Vietnamese, and what they would do is her boyfriend would rent a car, they would stage an accident, and then they would collect on the insurance. Her boyfriend later admitted this, that this is what they were doing, and if you look at his phone records from that night, Lois points out to some weird stuff. He's calling people involved with the Vietnamese gang. Um, so that certainly made a lot of sense at the time. Now you have this Paul Apodaca coming out and saying, no, no, I, I murdered those three women because I hated women so much. It's hard to really you know, know what to believe here. And I hope they're able to get some sort of DNA to confirm this 100%. But um, it's a strange one, huh? Terrible crimes out of the state of California. Final story this week, or for the top story, final top story, that is. I've got lots more here for you. Police in California are today looking for the criminal who continues to terrorize a small community near Lake Tahoe. He's suspected of 33 break-ins. There have been 102 separate calls to 911 over this. 
152 reports of aggressive behavior. Their suspect is about 500 pounds, 7 feet tall. It's like a tank, man. In fact, that's his name. Hank the Tank. That's what they call him. He's a black bear. The Department of Fish and Wildlife say Hank refuses to hibernate this year. And he's coming for your food. If you've got uh, vacation homes up there, he's plowing through the door and looking and rooting in the refrigerators and cupboards. A nonprofit called Bear League was formed to raise money to save Hank from being killed or caught in a trap. The, the town's divided. Lake Tahoe divided. Half the people want to kind of hold Hank up as like a local mascot. The other half want him killed for all the, the crimes he's causing out there. Now, while authorities want him captured immediately before anybody gets hurt, supporters say that Hank, just like all of us, has the right to bear arms. Is this thing, is this thing on? I said the right to uh, bear arms. I'll be here all night. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'll be back in two and two with cold case updates, a new genetic genealogy solve, and a weird story I found on Reddit. I'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Falcon Crest, starring Lorenzo Lamas. Got some cold case updates here for you. Police in Florida this week closed the 1983 murder of Laura Ann Huzar. It's a cold case out of Florida. This is coming from Oxygen.com. 11-year-old Laura Ann was walking home from a local gas station on November 3rd, 1983, when she disappeared. Her body was later found in a drainage ditch. Very tragic case that had remained unsolved. Now, there were a couple witnesses who found her body, and they were told to leave after they discovered it by the officer who arrived on site, one James Howard Harrison. When police re-interviewed those witnesses pretty recently, they realized, after taking their statements again and looking at old pictures, that somebody had moved the girl's body in between the time they had found it and when more police arrived on the scene. Dun-dun-dun, do you see where this is going? Yes, it was the police officer. James Howard Harrison had already had several complaints about inappropriate relationships with young girls prior to Laura Ann's murder. And they came out this week and said, yep, it was uh, Harrison who did it all this time. We suspected as much, but now we're sure. Unfortunately, he died in 2008, but they've officially closed the case. Fifteen years after Ken Gorman, it's Ken Gorman, was murdered in his Denver home, the alternative weekly newspaper Westward is pushing for new information in the Colorado cold case. If you're from Denver, you probably know this guy. If you're in a certain subset, certain uh, subculture, Gorman, Ken Gorman, was a marijuana activist, enthusiast, who helped make weed legal in that state and in states over the nation. Now, his murderer left behind stacks of cash and bags of cannabis in his home. So if, if it was a robbery, 
they didn't get a, do a good job. Obviously, this wasn't a robbery. Ken Gorman was targeted, murdered in his home, left for dead. Whoever did it left behind lots of money, lots of pot. They honor him every year at this uh, 420 rally in Denver, which is a tradition out there. And he's known as Governor Pothead Ken Gorman. And this rally is the most prolific gathering of smokers in the entire world. I have to check my calendar, see what I'm doing that week. If you have any information on Ken Gorman's murder, if you know anything about this murder or what happened in his Denver home 15 years ago, please contact the Denver Crime Stoppers. Here we are, genetic genealogy news. They're becoming a weekly staple. Seems like every week they've got a new case solved. This is a DNA Doe Project, another win for them. This is the Trinity Bellwoods Park Jane Doe. Trinity Bellwoods Park. That's a park in Toronto, Ontario. And on June 10th, 2020, not too long ago, a woman was found in a sleeping bag in the park, dead. Dead from natural causes. Sounds like a homeless person. Six months ago, Ontario Forensic Pathology Service submitted a sample to DNA Doe Project, and they took it over. Now, it took them a while to get to the case and check it out. And within a week, within a week, the geniuses of the DNA Doe Project, they had her identity traced through her family tree using the DNA data and online databases. The police, and they gave the name to the police. The police reached out and contacted the family to confirm, and they are not releasing her name. They want you to respect the privacy of the family. But another case solved with the miracle that is genetic genealogy. I got to tell you about this case uh, that I heard about on Reddit. This is on the Unresolved Mysteries Board, very popular um, place for true crime on Reddit. Probably the best subreddit for this. Uh, sometimes there'll be posts on crimes that I've never heard about. And this isn't t this isn't like topical to this week, but every once in a while I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you the, this weirdness that I find on Reddit, and this is one of those. This was posted by user Truth is Scarier. That's his username, and involves the Columbine massacre to some extent. And what is being proposed is that there are lost Columbine Doom mods. Doom was you know that big. One of the first, like, first-person shooter games. You're in that dungeon, and you're shooting, like, demons and things. Well, here, there's there's been a rumor over the years that Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, those were the two idiots that shot up the Columbine School in 1999, there was a rumor that they created a modded Doom map on their computers to train for the shootings that left 13 people dead. This Redditor did some digging and found the rumor started in actual police reports on the Columbine massacre and interviews with Eric and Dylan's friends. So the quest is, can we find this doom mod? Does it exist? Does it exist? Or is it an urban legend? It's believed that if this did exist that they did create this Doom mod as preparation for the shooting, 
they they didn't upload it on the internet. That it wasn't a direct connection to the internet. They just connected their computers, kind of the old. Is that what what they would call a LAN party? There is an anonymous tipster that came forward to police, though, that said he'd played it with Eric when they were students at Columbine. Some others believe that this Doom mod for Columbine is actually online and is archived as a mod called Bricks that you can find still out there. Now, Truth is Scarier, the user that brought the story forward, he believes that, uh, or she, believes law enforcement has probably destroyed the mod, along with some other tapes that were created before the shootings. But we don't know the truth. Interesting. Mystery within a mystery. The donut hole inside the donut hole. Looking to pop culture, are you watching Inventing Anna? It's the new, uh, new movie starring Julia... I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Garner. Um, She plays Anna Sororkin. This was kind of big true crime news a few years ago. If you don't remember Anna Sororkin. Now, she was Russian. She had that that round face with the big glasses and that kind of resting, angry face, if you will. Now, Anna was, she was going around New York City pretending to be a wealthy Russian heiress named Anna Delvey. And she defrauded investors. She got people to give her hundreds of thousands of dollars just on the promise that her Russian parents would pay her back one day, I guess. And, okay, so Anna was born in a suburb of Moscow. Her her father was a truck driver, actually. Uh, along the way, she befriended a photo editor at Vanity Fair who started seeing some red flags she was doing things like using Microsoft Word to create bank bank statements. She'd show these documents that that looked like documents from a Swiss bank account showing sixty million dollars in her in her bank. And what she would do is she would check into these luxury hotels around Manhattan. She'd hang out in the restaurant. She'd find luxury hotels that had real nice restaurants in them and she would befriend the chefs the head chefs she she you know she certainly looked the part like a russian heiress and she'd rack up these bills in one luxury hotel she racked up thirty thousand dollars before they told her to either pay up or, or hit the bricks she was in the social scene in manhattan hanging out with celebrity bigwigs she befriended macaulay calkin because why not uh at one time, she deposited $160,000 in fake checks and quickly took $70,000 of that out before they bounced, some of which went to pay off that hotel bill. It was just con after con. She was using one con to roll into the next, and eventually that catches up with you, and it sure did catch up with her. She was sentenced to uh, prison, and then she got out in February 2021, just last year. And instead of, like, Going back to the homeland, she stayed in Manhattan. She hired a camera crew to follow her around like she was going to be a reality TV star. And oops, overstayed her visa again and is now locked up by ICE. So no happy ending there. They're trying to figure out what to do with her. They're like, well, 
the judge in that case said if we let her out, she's gonna she's gonna go right back to what she was doing. All these cons, and nobody's nobody's gonna be the wiser. So, uh, anyways, um, Garner plays Anna in that in that movie, inventing Anna. Uh, check it out. Let's check the charts, the true crime charts that chart the top true crime podcasts in the United States through Chartable. Um, a lot of usual suspects here. I want to pull your attention to number 10, though. Murder, Mystery, and Makeup. That's number 10. This is a podcast from Bailey Sarian, who's a popular YouTuber. Now, if you notice, this is becoming a trend. Last week, there's a new number 5 on there that was a YouTube about, uh, you know, scary stories. Some of which are crime, some of which aren't. And what they're doing is they're taking these popular YouTube channels, and they're just they're they're just grabbing the audio and putting it out as a podcast, essentially. And that's that's what Bailey has done here with murder mystery and makeup. Because on YouTube, she'll talk about these these murders, like deep dark murders. She's talking about Jeffrey Dahmer like munching down on people's arms while she's putting on makeup. And by the, the end of the episode, she looks she's ready to go out to the clubs, and you've learned about a new true crime cold case. It's a very weird idea, but it's I'm not going to begrudge anybody for success. Uh, but uh, it gives me an idea. There's not anything right now uh, for you know geared towards men the way that this is you know very clearly towards towards women. Men that enjoy makeup, that's fine. Uh, but I, I see a niche here that's not being filled. I'm thinking maybe of starting a new podcast where I, t- I tell you about a new serial killer while I'm changing the oil in my car. I'd have to learn how to change my oil first. But but something like that should work, right? And the, the, the men would, would thank me. I don't know. It's a weird world. Those are the stories for this week. Um, as always, join me on the Repod app after the show to talk about the show and give me ideas for, for new um, newsy crimes, up-to-date crimes to cover. That's it, guys. Have a great weekend. It is Friday. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, we got to, 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 get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Our theme music is Trash Town Boogie by Mr. Smith, used under a Creative Commons license for use in this show. All sources are listed in the liner notes at the end of this episode. If you like the cut of my jib please check out my other podcast philosophy of crime unless quoted directly from a source all content should be considered the opinion of the host that's me james renner see you next week hold up 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.